Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. This is your number one fantasy football show for mediocre football conversation. I'm your host, your quarterback, David Mendelson, here with my offensive play caller this week, John Van Etten. How's it What's going? Good? What's good? How you doing, Davey? Doing good, man. How was your weekend in Southern Maryland? I was, there was no people, just crabs. It was good stuff. That's all you can ask for. And we have our defensive play caller, Eric Mendelson. What's up, bro? Nothing much, man. How was the beach? Uh, you know, it's good, pretty good, man. We missed you. Uh, a lot of alcohol consumed. Me and my one-bedroom apartment could have used that. Uh, and then joining us this week, she's a podcast co-host at the Fantasy Debate, podcast member of Fantasy Focused with two Ds. She loves her Steelers and her whiskey. She's at Sam Samantha R Holt on the Twitter and Sam underscore awesome on the IG. What's up, Sam Holt? What up? Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm so excited to talk about all that we're going to talk about today. And, you know, any Monday I can start with fantasy football is a good day. Oh, here, here. So first and foremost, I know we were talking a little bit throughout the week. You're a Steelers fan, but you live on the West Coast, correct? I do. I live in Long Beach, California. So how did that come about? How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, so my dad's a Steelers fan. So kind of like any kid growing up, you're a fan of your your father's team or, you know, a parent's team. Um, but my dad's from England. So he didn't know anything about American football when he moved here. Um, he first watched a game at a pub in Santa Monica with a friend and had a friend explain the game to him. Raiders were playing the Steelers. Steelers won and he picked that team to win. So naturally he chose the team that won to be his team. Also, it was the same colors as his football club in England. So that was his team in the eighties. And you know, that's how I came to be. I love that. I mean, I feel like a lot of people really like whatever their parents are, they kind of just get adapted into that kind of culture. And it's the ones that stick by it through and through are the true fans at the end of the day. Right. Oh yeah. You have, you have opportunities as you're learning, you know, about the sport as I did to like pick other teams, but you know what? The black and gold just held true in my heart and ride or die. Never going to give up on that team. And this is the bounce back season, right? Oh yeah. I'm super pumped about this season. One, everyone's healthy. Like that's the bare minimum I can ask for from my team considering <laughs> what happened last year. Although arguably I believe Mike Tomlin deserved coach of the year for putting together the performances he did given he had nothing to go forward with. Yeah. You had two animals at quarterback with duck and Rudolph. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was there were days that they seemed to you know be awake, and there were days days that it was like, do you guys know you're playing a game right now? Like you're supposed to <laughs> that guy catches the ball, your job is to throw it. Like there was just a couple missed connections. So I'm excited to have my veteran quarterback healthy, apparently with an arm that feels better than it has ever. So I'm excited to have him back. 
Well, I'm going to be interested to hear your take on them when we get into our uh, spoiler alert. This is our AFC North episode. And all four experts are going to talk about each team's top rookie, their fantasy hero, their fantasy zero, and their sleeper. And after our team previews, we have our question of the week, catching a bubble screen. What is the best rivalry in football? And then our game of the week, we reveal at the end of the show, lining up for an onside kick. But first, we're going to get to our news and notes. First bit of news, Mitchell Trubisky spoke to the media for the first time Monday or Friday, and I quote, it's kind of interesting to me. It's the kind of business we're in, Trubisky said. I was kind of pissed off in a good way. I've been motivated since our season ended last year. I didn't feel like it went the way we wanted it to. We left a lot out there, but I'm excited for this year. I feel like it's going to be good competition. Holes has had a crazy good career as well, so it's cool having him in our room. So I ask you guys, Mitch thinks it's his job. He thinks this is his team, if you read the rest of the quote. Sam, I'm going to start with you. Who's quarterbacking the Chicago Bears week one? Nick Foles. Easy. Done and dusted. No hesitation. Absolutely none. Trubisky lost that job last year, and I think it's it's nice. You know, he, he can't say what he really wants to say in any interview right now, which is, you know, all the expletives in a row, like I've lost my job, but he can't say that. So he's going to say something to dance around it and make it seem like, yeah, I think I, you know, I have my job. He doesn't have that job anymore. He proved that last year with his performance. And Nick Foles is a veteran who has been able to come onto the scene fresh and new and completely revitalize different franchises back and forth, get it, get a Super Bowl. So I think that Foles has the best opportunity now, do I think that the Bears are going to be successful this season? That's a different question, but I do think that Foles is going to have a job. You think Foles lasts the full season healthy? It's the second part. Healthy, yeah. Can can the team protect him and keep him healthy? I mean, that's a whole other question. But if I if the question is just who's got the starting job, it's Foles. I, I agree with you. I think it's his job to lose, especially the money they're paying him this year. Um, moving to our next bit of news we have here, Antonio Brown pleaded no contest Friday to burglary and battery charges stemming from a January incident in Florida. The free agent wide receivers plea was accepted by the Broward County court. Brown was ordered to serve two years of probation and a hundred hours of community service. Eric, does Antonio Brown play one snap in the NFL this coming season? No, way too many, way too many legal hurdles. Like that was just one thing you named. He still has, like, the whole thing with his uh, ex or that girl, Brittany Taylor. Uh, he still has his grievance cases against the NFL. Like, well, he has 100 hours of community things. service. He could serve that out uh, playing for the Bengals or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fate worse than that. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't say Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, Jaguars, I think, would be worse, actually. That's true. I, I think you're right, Eric. I think at this point, I mean— his the talent is still there. I just don't think the head's completely on straight. And I don't see the league letting him play at any point this season. I mean, I think it's a better question. I even be is he ever in the NFL ever again? But that'll be a debate for another time. Our last bit of news: Christian Hackenberg never did appear in an NFL regular season game, so he's suiting up for the major leagues. The former New York Jets quarterback is trying his hand at baseball, according to NBC's Philadelphia's Rob Kusner. He just wants to compete. 
he's taking trials and tribulations in the NFL and trying to ride this roller coaster ride into the major leagues. So John at 25 years old, he says he has a lot in the tank and can throw 90 miles an hour. Do you think Christian Hackenberg has a chance to make the major league baseball or even a minor league team? Um, he definitely could T-boat around where a minor league team just sort of brings him around as a novelty and try and sell a couple of tickets. Now there's going to be a baseball season anyway, much less a minor league season. But <laughs> I, if he's uh, he's half the quarterback Tim Tebow was even, so he's probably half the baseball player. Oh, God. I mean, Tim Tebow's in double A, so I mean, that must mean he probably wouldn't make it out like rookie ball. Well, I can't disagree with any of that, so... With that being said, let's move into our AFC North team previews. And we're going to start our team previews with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you followed the Steelers at any point this offseason, you may have noticed that they didn't go out and try to upgrade at backup quarterback. They must know something about Duck and Rudolph that we don't especially considering they had the likes of Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and others that were out there to be signed as a backup. They will hopefully not need one knowing now that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be fully healthy this season when the 2020 season kicks off. The Steelers return a crowded backfield led by James, the injury guy. I was going to try to make a, a Bill Nye jingle out of that, like James Conner, the injury guy, but it didn't really fit. So, and uh, a great Young wide receiving core led by bounce back Juju Smith-Schuster, popular breakout candidate Deontay Johnson, and high draft pick Chase Claypool. With a top defense returning intact next year, the Steelers looked prime for a turnaround season. So, Sam, take it away. What should we be knowing about the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, I, I kind of let it off a little bit uh, earlier with how I feel about the Steelers, but the Steelers are going to be a high-powered offense this season. I mean, I know that we don't look good. I mean, last year, not really something to look at. I would kind of just look at it as just, you know, a little bit of a dumpster fire, but it got put out and we have a fresh new team. So just ignore last year. I would just ignore it. And all I would take from last year is that Minka Fitzpatrick is an absolute beast and our defense can absolutely hold their own. So as years before where we've been known for the steel curtain and there were a couple of years where we bit off, we're back, baby. And we've got an amazing defense that's going to be able to, you know, hold the score where we needed to be held. So I'm excited for us on that front. And that's the thing that you should focus on from last year. What's important going into this year is looking back at the 2018 season when we had Ben and we have a very, very healthy Ben now. So 2018, he had, let's see, that's uh, 675 passing attempts. That was his highest for his career. He was slinging it absolutely everywhere. And we saw road Ben, the quote unquote, hashtag <laughs> road Ben. You can't trust him when he's on the road. We saw that die in 2018. It was no longer true. He was actually holding his own away so we saw that shift so add that to the fact that he's healthy gonna keep slinging it and he has an amazing list of receiving options to keep that field of, of options open that's a very exciting thing so there's a lot of volume to be had with the Steelers and I think there's a great value in all the players across the board in different drafts obviously dynasty and redraft very different but I think there's a lot of opportunity for these players in redraft you, they're gonna fall in certain leagues and I think that you're going to get some great value at those picks so then leading off for this coming fantasy season and we'll go in a redraft league who do you think is the top rookie for the Steelers this season 
I mean, it has to be Chase Claypool. I mean, if we're we're not talking IDP right now, I'm guessing. So I would just have to say Chase Claypool. He's going to be a great red zone threat. So I could see him being a great stash at the end of any redraft league, depending on your format. So if you've got a uh, draft that's got three starting wide receivers and a flex, I think he'd be a great slot option in there, depending on the game. Um, he's just such a big guy, got great quickness and big Ben loves his red zone threats. You see it time and time again, in the amount of targets that these players get, they're very evenly spread out, except for his main two guys. So you're going to see games that he goes off would be a great asset in daily as well. So someone to just throw in there when you know, you've got a weak secondary that you can exploit. I feel like also in best ball leagues, I feel like he's that, like you were saying, that deep threat that maybe catches that 60-yard touchdown that you'd love to, if you have in kind of a best ball league, be able to just have him on your bench and stash to give you that those great numbers that he'll probably give you. Absolutely. And I think that just based on the way that the Steelers have constructed their receiving weapons in years past, it's very much you've got your number one guy, your up and comer, and then it kind of rolls through the class. Like in high school, you got your freshman, your sophomore, your junior, and your senior is going to graduate or in Antonio Brown's case, absolutely implode. So there's lots of different ways that you can use these wide receivers, but also keep them on your radar going forward. So dynasty purposes, a great stash in Chase Claypool. Whether or not he has a full breakout season this year, we'll see. But that doesn't mean that year two, he's not going to have the year two that Juju had, you know? So I think there's a lot of really good options, especially in the way that you know they're going to utilize their receivers there. I like that. So then who's going to be their fantasy hero this year? Who should you be targeting in drafts to make sure you will get from the Steelers? All right, 100%. it's going to be De- Deontay Johnson, just like everybody on Twitter. Nope, nope. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not as high on Deontay Johnson this year as everyone else. And that's because of just how many weapons Ben has, and he's going to keep slinging it all around. I'm not 100% that Deontay's going to stay the number two all year. I mean, yes, he's a great option, amazing hands, but... Ben has a plethora of targets, a plethora. So it's not going to be a super easy number two. I think there's a lot of opportunities for other players to move into that number two slot, but it's going to be 100% for me, the hero has to be Juju Smith. I mean, not only for his amazing touchdown dances and for his amazing Instagram presence, but I do think that he's going to have an amazing season. And I think that he's someone that you need to grab. And I think he's falling in a lot of drafts. So you can get him in the third round. And that's a great value for a receiver. That's the number one on their team. Do you have any consoling words for the people that may have took him with their first round pick? Maybe not someone in this room right now, but uh, (laughs) yeah, to give them just some like acknowledgement and reassurance that he's going (laughs) to, he's going to not disappoint us two years in a row. All I got to say is look, I've been there. I've done that. It (laughs) happened to me last year in one of my leagues. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm in a lot of fantasy leagues. This year is probably going to be around the 20 number. I don't know why I said yes to so many leagues, but I did. That's my problem. But as for last year and how Juju performed, my heart goes out to you. Sending hugs, virtual hugs, social distance hugs. But it's going to get better. This is not one of those easy... better commercial where you know you don't know it's actually gonna get better but this is gonna get better a hundred percent gonna get better gosh i hope so i i I mean i thought last year i thought he was gonna lead the nfl in targets like that's that's how high i was on him i was prepared to take him like as high as like the eighth ninth pick so i i uh i got him on the back end at the tail end of the uh first round so i 
I think you're right, especially with Big Ben coming back this year. It has, I mean, anything I think is better than last year at this point. Anything is better. And this is something important too to know. I know that they didn't draft a high quarterback to back him up, but there's a lot to think about in little players that are still available, like mm, someone like Cam Newton. Let's say, I mean, knock on wood, please hope to God this doesn't happen, but Ben gets hurt game one. Someone's a free agent that can get signed on the cheap that's also going to be a really good asset to target multiple players if they have lots of weapons that can work with someone like that. Now, I'm not hoping for that, but I think the Steelers are smart enough to choose outside that locker room. Sam, let me ask you, I have never seen a team that's afraid to upset their quarterback as much as the Steelers are with Ben. It's like, oh, I want this offensive coordinator gone. Bye. Oh, I want a pay raise. Bye. Oh, I'm debating retirement. No, we'll do whatever you want. Just come back. <laughs> they want him really happy for the 10 games he plays every season. Hey, you know what? If, if you've got someone that you know is your person, you will sacrifice whatever you've got to sacrifice. That's love. And that's what I do love about my Steelers is we're very loyal to our players that put in the work and show up every day and are exemplary athletes. And as far as being an athlete and showing up and leading the locker room, Ben does that and he does that very well. So that's why they're going to stand by their guy. I do just want to say I didn't really think a lot of people would call Ben an exemplary athlete. But um. <laughs> Well, I think that you can call him that when he can complete a pass with broken ribs and a broken foot and a broken hand. Just very saying. true. Very true. Very true. I, I like defending your team at all costs. All costs. I told you, ride or die. I mean, I know he doesn't look the best with the. Uh, he did get the beard shaved and he's got a little bit of a gut, but he can take a hit and he can throw a pass. So that's all I care about in my quarterback. Fair and enough. That's the official then. dad bod. Official dad bod. Hey, but he can throw it, man. Doesn't He doesn't need to do anything. I know that the league is changing, and at some point the Steelers are going to have to address that in that everyone's got these mobile quarterbacks, and that's something that the league is shifting that way. We just see it time and time again with these players coming out of college and the way that they move. You know, that is the future, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about 2020 season. Agreed. And let's move to the their fantasy zero, who you're going to be staying away from, whether their ADP is just too high for you or you just completely don't want to draft, period. Who's that on the Steelers for you? Now, I feel like this is a little bit of a cheap shot, but it's because I don't like picking apart my team. So my zero has to be Eric Ebron. And the reason behind that is I know that there's a lot of Tight ends are one of those things in fantasy where either you're someone that drafts your tight end super early, so you're going to get a Kittle or a Kelsey, something up there, or you're going to do a streaming option. Now, is he a streaming option? Sure, I guess. But based on the way that the Steelers have used their tight ends the last couple of years, I just don't have the confidence in having him as my number one tight end to start the season. Now, I'm happy to stream him if the week fits right, and I just happen to wait that long at that position. But he's not someone I'm searching to get. I think that his best years are behind him just because of target volume that he's going to see with the Steelers. Again, it's going to be spread around very thin between all of these amazing options. So he's not going to be the guy. Now, at his best in 2018 with the Colts, he had more targets because he was one of the top receiving options at that time based on injuries with other players. So I think that that's why that stat is so high there. But I'm not looking for those numbers with the Steelers. It's just not going to shake out. You've got someone like Vance McDonald who's also, you know, he's still there. He's going to be a presence. He's going to take someone's soul out of their body like the he did mm -hmm. to Chris Conti and just completely stumble over them once and make everyone excited like me. But I don't <laughs> see there being a number one tight end there 
like that you see in other teams. So it's just not a position that I'm looking to fill with my Steelers. Is he pretty much in your eyes a red zone or bust type of player where they're pretty much going to look at him at the goal line? Other than that, he's probably doing nothing, maybe one catch otherwise. Pretty much. I mean, he's going to be a facilitator. Yes, again, a great option. And Ben loves having his options all for the red zone. Big guys, great targets. Love it. But I just don't see that consistency in wanting him on my team. And when I'm looking at a draft, uh, redraft league, I want consistency at every position. So that's something that I look at. I look at volume per targets, and I look at the game scheme for each team. And just the way that the Steelers use their tight ends, it's not a scheme that I'm excited about. I'm far more excited about getting someone like Travis Kelsey going early on him because classes like the wide receiver class are so deep and I can wait at that position, but I'd rather get someone that's going to beat out all my opponents at that position every week. So that's why for me, I would go earlier on tight ends and that side and then fade on some tight ends like Eric Ebron. I like that. And then let's wrap up the Steelers with give us your sleeper. Who's someone that you are going to make sure that you get later on in your draft that you think is going to break out this season? I mean, I I don't know that he's going to. Eh, no, he can. Uh, ben Ben is my is my sleeper option at quarterback. Now, if this is a position I'm going to wait on and you know either cycle out quarterbacks, I'm going to hold on to Ben because I think that he's going to have some really amazing games. Get those high yardage games, get those high targets, just those completions and those touchdowns. So he's someone that I'm stashing. Also in two QB leagues, I love him as your second QB option, going someone else earlier and sooner, and he's going to fall quite a bit. I just love that combo. So I think for me, he's going to be my sleeper. I, what, I think his ADP, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere, what, in the mid-teens right now? Yeah, pretty much, which is a good sweet spot for, like, two QB leagues. Mm-hmm. In, in a regular redraft league, I could see him going undrafted. And I mean, his, I mean, I'm even thinking if you were either in a two QB league, if like you did a Kyler Murray with huge upside and then a, a Ben and, you know, again, if Kyler Murray doesn't live up, you know, you know, Ben's pretty much going to give you consistent production, even if it's not top five, he's kind of like a nice safe option to have there. Yeah. Um, he's your safety net. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, I know John and Eric aren't as big, big Ben guys, but that's fine. I can't wait to interrupt them as they give theirs. I appreciate you guys letting me go through my spiels without interruption because it's not going to be the same the opposite way. Uh, I love it. You know, my main thing is he's had all these injuries, but he essentially had Tommy John surgery. And being an older quarterback, I mean, it's not like, oh, you know, he, he had to shave off a bone of his knee and he can just limp around with this. Like, you have to use that, the UCL every time you throw the ball. So that's my making concern. But now, we'll see. given the way that medical, you know, advancements have happened, I feel like he could, we could create a Terminator Ben and just keep adding new parts every <laughs> year, and we'd be just fine. I do think the narrative's interesting how uh, Big Ben is fully healthy and ready to go this year, but Cam Newton is injury-riddled. I just think that's a little interesting. It's, you know, it's just what – that's how our league is. I mean – Sometimes, you know, you want something clean, new, and shiny. You know, as soon as you shave the beard on Ben, ah, you know, looks like he can play again. So that's also something that goes with it. I think that also it's just not been fair to Cam with, obviously, the way COVID has been. He hasn't been able to go and, you know, have those physicals done with those different teams to get um, checked out. It, it really sucks the way that the Panthers treated him and the fact that they they gave him his physical with them. They let him go, and then immediately it was like, 
things just didn't fall his way. The dominoes didn't land. I do see Cam playing this year. I can't guess who was going to take him, but I do see him playing this year. I think, honestly, if we'd had normal non-coronavirus circumstances, he would have been signed by now. I think it's just because teams don't have his medicals and they can't, like, get his medicals. So it's, it's like a whole difficult process. Yeah, and it's not a position that a team wants to take that risk on. Who's going to take a risk at a quarterback? I mean, you can take a risk at a defensive end. You can take a risk at a, you know, a rookie receiver. But you're not going to risk one of the main positions you need to be successful mm-hmm. on a team. Let's move to our next team in the division, and we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And you got your NFL MVP, Big Trust, woo-woo, Lamar Jackson, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the past two years. But in this league, people care about only one thing, and that's winning, which he's done during the regular season. But when it comes playoffs, that man is shrinking tiny. The Ravens look to make that next step to be from just the league's elite to a parental playoff contender. They still boast one of the NFL's top defenses and have added to the young group of offensive players this season. Mark Ingram is still the big dog in the backfield, but high pick J.K. Dobbins is expected to be the future, whether it be this year or for years to come. They also have a young, exciting skill group of pass catchers that include Hollywood, Miles Boykin. Sorry if that got... Got your guys' ears too much, but <laughs> Miles Boykin, young draft pick Devin Duvernay, and then rising tight end Mark Andrews, which should only help improve the Ravens' passing attack this season. So, Eric, give us everything that we need to know about the Baltimore Ravens. As a Baltimore native, I feel like I should say I don't like the Ravens. I hope everyone on their team is a fantasy zero this year. With that being said, the heroes the your Super Bowl loss. Ooh. Two I, Super Bowl losses. We'll get to that later. Um, the heroes Lamar Jackson when he's not playing football on the beach. QB record 1,206 rushing yards last season, which was sixth best in the NFL. Two games with, with less than 20 fantasy points at Pittsburgh and at Buffalo, which were the two toughest games on the schedule. Responsible for 43 touchdowns, 36 pass, and seven rush. And he would have set the all-time fantasy scoring record if he had played Week 17. So is he going to have that good a season again? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think he has the highest upside along with Patrick Mahomes. And I don't like saying that for David. My fantasy zero is Mark Ingram. He's now 30 years old. He had 37% of the team's carries last year. And you add uh, Dobbins that mix. He had 15 touchdowns, so he got a lot of value from there. I honestly think Baltimore will regress in scoring a little bit. I think teams kind of figured out the formula a little bit, like the Browns did week three and Tennessee did in the playoffs, that you're going to ground and pound and try to waste as much clock. Last offseason, he signed a three-year, 15-mil contract, and most of that was paid in year one. So I feel like they really rode him you know, and feel like they got some value out of that. Um, my rookie is J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards is not a receiving back. He has 10 total targets in the past two years. The Ravens had an NFL record 3,296 rushing yards. So you're going to know what Greg Roman wants to do. Justice Hill did not have more than five carries in any game that was close last year. J.K. Dobbins, 22,003 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns. Um, 
I don't think Baltimore takes him in the second round if they don't like his upside, considering that rushing was their biggest strength. And John Harbaugh came out and said that Justice Hill and Gus Edwards could both be on special teams. So I think that's an indirect endorsement for Dobbins. Eric, have you not heard Gus Edwards' rap track? Ah, I haven't. He's not putting someone who raps like that on special teams. Now I'll have to listen to this after the show. And for my sleeper, I have two because I I think that the Ravens do have kind of a, a sleeper team from last year. Hollywood Brown, um, number one scorer in week one with four for 147 and two. Um, had a Liz Frank injury that I don't think enough people talked about last year. Has worked with Lamar and our favorite wide receiver, Antonio Brown, this offseason. Um And after week five, he only had five plus targets in one game. So it's not like the volume was there and he wasn't producing. I think that Liz Frank was probably playing into it. And then my second is the Ravens D from week seven on last year. They had seven out of their 10 games were double digits with no less than six, six total touchdowns. You had Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Patrick Queen. And these are some of the teams they face a rookie Joe Burrow twice. A non-mobile Baker Mayfield and Big Ben four times. Sorry, Sam. Uh, Statue and Phillip Rivers. Uh, second year in Dwayne Haskins. Pats with Jared Stidham. Uh, Giants with turnover-prone Daniel Jones. And then Gardner Minshew and the Jags. I see a lot of juicy games for the Ravens, D. Eric? Minshew's going to carve them up. <laughs> Eric, this can of Diet Coke is representative of your take for sleeper it is boring and is trash i'm throwing this away even though there's still liquid in there you know if that diet coke was from mcdonald's you'd upset a lot of people well you know what i don't care because i have an inside source a uh, a fellow ravens or not, not a ravens fan but i have a uh, a couple teachers at my school that are big ravens fans they said devin duvernay is the real deal like they said he's top-end speed, but he's Anquan Bolden. Like, he will literally just want to block and throw someone to the ground. They said he's probably the inside track to be the number two receiver this year. And that he's, like, like really, really, really going to make an impact. Well, when we're off air, you'll have to uh, have them give me John Harbaugh's number since they know him so well. I have his number. I can just direct it to you, you know. I'm sorry, do you guys not have the phone numbers for the coaches of the teams that you follow? Because I totally do. How else do you think I can, you know, get these players to win every week? You got to blow them up on their social and on their text messages. I've been what doing are you all doing? Along. What was that play? <laughs> 105 WYD. Eric, I, 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 I think the Ravens are pretty standard for the most part. Lamar Jackson's a stud. Obviously, Dobbins is their highest draft pick. I think he's going to get work. I, I think for the most part, I just, I think you're, Sleeper was a little boring, but that's why I gave two. Just two boring you know, does not make up for boring. Quantity is not quality, Eric. Come on. Yeah, you got to go for quality in these picks. The people want to know what's your number one. Too often I get asked, "What about these three guys?" And then I say two, and they're like, "No, but between those two, I'm like, okay, you're making me choose between <laughs> my favorite kids here. I mean, I don't have any kids, so my kids are these, you know, football players. I, that's how much I love them. So it's hard to pick between them. I get it, but." People want to know, who is your guy? It really hurt for me to say Ravens D was going to be a steal. I just want you guys to know that. I don't like giving the Ravens credit at all. You have this extra hatred towards them. I mean, I understand it. As as a diehard Steelers fan, I can only tell you how 
much I've chewed my nails during games watching them. And I was very, very excited to see Lamar Jackson get drafted, but I was so pissed to see him go to the Ravens because I was just like, I love this kid. He went to Louisville. My brother went to Louisville. So I got to actually go see him play a game because, you know, college and you got to go enjoy those games. But he's such a great athlete, such a great kid, good head on his shoulders. So to me, I always fall in love with those players that I can get behind on their personality too, just because that's how I am. But to see him go to that team, I was like, no, I don't want to have to face this. And I have to face him every year twice. It sucks. Well, Sam brought up personality, and is there any more team in this division that has personality than the Cleveland Browns? You guys like that trans? You guys, you like that transition? That was uh, nice. the 2020 season is starting to feel like it could be a make or break it for Baker Mayfield. Two full seasons in Cleveland, and that Baker Baker. <laughs> oh, see, I should have put that in the script. Two full seasons in Cleveland, and I know. A lot of people don't say there's no such thing as the honeymoon phase, but in my mind, the honeymoon period is finally over. And it's time for Mayfield to basically live up to the hype of the number one pick, or they're going to have to start looking for another quarterback. Because at this point in at his time with the Browns, he's got no excuses. He's got, they invested heavily in their offensive line this offseason, added Jack Coughlin and Jarek Willis with their first round pick in the draft. They added Austin Hooper to already arguably the two best pass catching group with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They have made improvements in their win-loss record and now are not the laughing stock of the league. So you have that monkey off of your back. At this point, this is you don't have Freddie Kitchens to blame. You don't have a bad group of pass catchers. You don't have a bad offensive line. You have arguably the best running attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Put up or shut up. Let's go, John. I'm fired up. Give me some stuff about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well, when I was trying to pick out their, their top rookie, um, I, I was leaning towards uh, their tight end in the fourth round, Harrison Bryant. But if uh, Nujoku can stay healthy as a number two and they bring it in Hooper as a number one, uh, they're pretty much their top rookie is going to have to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. And as, as you said, they have that deep pass-catching group. But it pretty much drops off after the two of OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Uh, so he really does have a good shot to be the number three guy. And with them taking a lot of the defense away, um, maybe he's able to sneak a few uh, few catches. Plus, he's the people's Jones. There's there's no way he doesn't, doesn't succeed. The people are all behind him. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, the fantasy hero, uh, I do think Jarvis Landry is going to be the most consistent pick. Uh, for you there he may not have as flashy games as obj i do think obj is going to get out of his funk a little bit but if you're just looking for consistency week in week out he's going to get you points he's going to get you catches it's got to be jarvis landry jarvis landry's never missed a game either he hasn't really i didn't know that yep as consistent as they come yes but at this point did we really think that we would be talking about Jarvis Landry as the number one receiver somewhere and know that Odell Beckham's also on that team? I'm sh- you're right. I, I think it's shocking how much he's kind of fallen. I mean, he was arguably the number one wide receiver in football two years ago. 
Well, absolutely, especially after you make a catch like he did in the end zone, you know, one-handed all day. It's amazing. But until Baker can figure out how to use him, and that's going to be the real thing. I love that you said it is a make-it-or-break-it year for Baker Mayfield. It absolutely is. If he doesn't figure out how to properly use his weapons that they've really well set him up for this season, especially with Austin Hooper, that's going to be completely on him to take someone that is – an amazing receiver as Odell Beckham is. And you can go back and forth. I've heard a lot of people say that he's overrated and do all these things. Sure. But he's still an amazing receiver at his position. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like the Odell Beckham hate has gone way too far. Like, he still had 1,000 yards last year. Like, everybody's like, oh, I don't know if I would take him in the fourth. I'm like, you freaking serious? He still had 1,000 yards. He still had 133 targets, so just five behind Landry. So he still has the targets, but... The potential for more is there. And that's, I think, what people are upset about. The only four touchdowns. Why aren't you looking for this guy in the red zone? That's the crazy thing to me. Well, you look at, like, you remember that game Monday night against the Jets when he literally took the slant and took the 89 yards. Like, he, very few players have that ability where you can take a slant and then outrun, you know, the corner of this guard and you in the safety. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's frustrating that the red zone opportunities aren't there, but. He still has that ability that very few receivers have. Do you he guys- has that ability, but sorry, I, I just I just mean that for, I mean he has the ability, but the problem is Baker not looking for him in those yeah. moments. That's what needs to get fixed, and that's what ne- he needs to get his head straight about this year. And if he doesn't, again, it's a make or break it year. If you can't utilize one of the best receivers in the game for his full potential and for those types of plays that he can do and he's very capable of, that's on you. That's not on the receiver. Is Odell Beckham, can I, do you guys feel comfortable? Is Odell Beckham a top 10 wide receiver in either non-PPR or PPR for either of you this year? Yes. Like no question. I, I, I only hesitate just because this class is so deep and I see a lot of people with the potential to bump up and take that next step. Um, for 2020 especially given the circumstances that we have obviously COVID and people not being able to practice the way that they normally would with their teams and having that familiarity um I do see other players taking a step up so it's hard for me to say easy top 10 but he's right borderline for me I think he has that potential but I just don't have the confidence that the Browns can treat him that way I'm also worried too in the with the case of talking about their pass catchers they have I mean, they've invested in their offensive line, but I think it's no secret that uh, Gary Stefanski likes to use play action, but also likes to run the ball a lot, too, as they saw with the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. And I'm thinking they have arguably the best one-two combo in the game, so why would they not use Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt a lot more? And that might take away pass catches from those two guys. Make Odell not happy, trade him to the Niners for little value, and believe in Baker. That's what I hope happens. Oh, my gosh. That'd be really funny. But also, I mean, to back to piggyback off of what you just said about the running backs, I mean, yes, they do have a good one-two punch, but also you have a one-two punch where you have Kareem Hunt for the whole season. You didn't have him that way last year. He was out those games because, you know, he's not really a great human being. But still, I mean, football-wise, you're going to have a player that's actually going to be there at every game and be the receiving option as well, which he proved to be this last year. He had 37 targets, so he had one more target than Nick Chubb. So he has proven he can be utilized in that way. And if he does want to use the running game, they're going to have that opportunity. Do you think Kareem Hunt plays the entire season? I don't, but that's just because I feel like the way he runs, to me, I just feel like he's about to 
just turn his knee the wrong way on different tackles. I just I don't think he's a very clean runner in that way. Okay, so it, it's nothing to do with him being an idiot off the field. It's you oh, think he's going to get hurt. No, I mean, he could totally be an idiot. All of them have this extra time, which makes me super nervous. They have too much time at home with their friends being silly and stupid to get hurt just doing something dumb. That's what we're all just, like, hold, holding on to. Just, please, just don't do something stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Don't play football in the front yard with your friends drunk. Like, just, just, just be cool. Just be cool, and we'll all be happy. <laughs> When he told the cop, he's like, yeah, I've been drinking and I have weed in the car. I was like, all right, I can't draft this guy. He's too stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I have certain quirks of players I can and can't draft in fantasy sports. And if anybody's stupid, I can't draft them. I understand that completely. I mean, honestly, someone that does that for me as well would be Ezekiel Elliott. I'm like... I just can't trust certain things that he does off the field. And I mean, unfortunately he did just get diagnosed with COVID. So I hope he gets better, but you know, there's a couple little knocks on him already. No, agreed. And we're going to move to our last team in the division. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals, or as I like to call them, the fighting Joe Burrows. And they had the first pick, as I said, took Joe Burrow, no brainer pick. He's a new team's quarterback that he's basically hoping that he can drive them out of amenity because the Bengals have pretty much been a pretty irrelevant team for a long time now. And I, again, this is the pukey Bengals we're talking about. But as most Bengal fans know, this is a franchise that has a long history of suffering. If Burrow were to flop, this could probably set the franchise back at least a decade. So Bengals do return a great skill group of players. Joe Mixon, pass catching, bet threat out of the backfield, Giovanni Bernard, and then the hopeful return of A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and young draft pick T. Higgins. So let me educate you guys on the Bengals without much pushback because I don't think you guys can fight my numbers here. This is a challenge for you guys. Can't uh, wait to hear, sir. I'm, I'm just waiting. Go for it. <laughs> Got to build it up first. So Absolutely. Top rookie obviously Joe Burrow and I understand it's rare for a rookie quarterback to come out of the gates and be fantasy relevant and the landing the learning curve for them is fairly steep Um, but first consider this that most rookie quarterbacks don't get to play all 16 games right from the start of the season a lot of them maybe week, week three week four get thrust in but not usually from the start of week one they're Heads and shoulders, I got the job. They have the whole offseason to prepare for that. So you have that. Burrow is arguably also coming into the situation with arguably the best skill group of any number one pick has ever had. Again, you have uh, Joe Mixon, who's a top 10 back. You have hopefully a healthy A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, John Ross. I mean, gosh, that that's such a great group. And he's coming from... And uh, a team, they're, they're, first of all, they're already saying Joe Burrow is the best QB prospect since Andy Luck. But he's also coming from the best conference in college football. And he's coming off a 60-touchdown season. And I, I just don't think that all this cannot translate. And to take a little bit of some numbers for you guys, the Bengals ran 1,001 total plays last season. And they had a 38 to 62 rushing to passing split. I think that's going to be even higher for the passing this season. And I see a lot of 10 personnel packages. It's going to have zero tight ends and four wide receivers, which will give him AJ Green, T 
T. Higgins, John Ross, and Tyler Boyd all on the field. And I expect to see them translate to a lot more of a pass-happy team. So I just think that there's no chance that Burrow can't succeed. I'm not saying he's going to be a top-five quarterback, but I think he could definitely be a top-12. Any thoughts? Any pushback on that? I mean, saying that Joe Burrow is the rookie to pick is like, do you like chocolate? Yeah, I like chocolate. Like it's like a kind of an obvious pick. I mean, I would have rather taken more of your take on Higgins just to hear how he goes because obviously Burrow is there to save the franchise, and he is hopefully going to be there to change. Like you said, it's no longer the Bengals; it's going to be the Burrows. That's going to be their team. Um, kind of also hilarious that he goes from a Tigers team to another Tigers team. But that that aside, I do expect great things from Burrow. He has, you know, obviously amazing accuracy. And like you said, he's got a lot of great weapons. But for me, what I'm a little bit hesitant on, I mean, you say he's got all these weapons and he totally does, but they're all just kind of okay. I, I mean, yes, A.J. Green is an amazing receiver, but he didn't play all last year. He didn't really play many games before that. I think that he's only played one game in the last, like, 20 games or it's some ridiculous stat it's he has not played much because he's been so hurt and the way that he was treated with the Bengals the way he treated them last year I just don't see a happy camper wanting to get on board of this train going forward I don't know that he wants to be part of it so I can see him sitting out and just being stubborn and sitting in a corner now that being said these younger receivers could desperately use the veteran knowledge of someone like AJ Green to help them, you know, get through the season. But if he's not going to be on board, to me, that's a disconnected locker room. You got some guys that are all on board and you got some guys that are out. And I think that you need the whole team buy-in to be successful. And I just, that's what makes it a little bit worrisome for me. I just don't know who's going to be that surefire number two. And honestly, who's a surefire number one. Yeah, David, I would, I would just like to comment that you said I was boring and you gave the obvious one. I haven't <laughs> finished the rest of it. My, my only thing with A.J. Green is he did, say, he did sign the franchise tag, and I think Zach Taylor's offense is a little more suited to get him some space. And I think he, he probably wants to, to play well the beginning half to work up his trade value so that he can get traded to a contender. So I think there is a little more incentive for him to at least start the year out well. And to prove, like you said, he has he's played one game in his last like twenty, you know, plus or whatever. Um, to prove that he still does have some left in the tank. But that's to get traded, like you just said. This isn't a guy that's buying into the Bengals franchise. I don't think he wants to be there, and I think that because of that, you're not you don't want someone that's you know half in and half out on anything in life. So do you want him on your team? Probably not, because he's also going to sour the locker room, and that I think is a little bit of a worrisome thing as well. The one thing I will say is I think if Joe Burrow treats him like a number one and looks his way early and often and they develop a really good connection and the Bengals are like doing well, I could see him buying into the culture change with a new franchise quarterback. And if he's getting the numbers to basically give him a better contract, I think the Bengals are loyal to him if they see he can bounce back. So that would be my argument is that I think he's it's a lot of it's going to ha- buy into what's going to transpire on the field. And if Joe Burrow treats him like the number one that he's played like his whole career. Sure. But then on the other side of that coin, you've got all the injuries that he's had all feet injuries. And what does any receiver need to be successful? He needs their feet. They need their feet. He can't run on all that he's dealt with and all the injuries that he's had. And I know that the ankleish that he had was multiple torn ligaments. So I think that it's just one of those things where you got to see it. And I'm a wait and see kind of person with someone like that. So I'm not looking to get him in any drafts. 
That's fair. I, I mean, I also think his ADP has risen up to, I think as high as now like the fifth round. And I think I would be a little scared to take him there. Um, but if he slips a little bit further past that, I think he's a great, just kind of not a huge gamble in, in the sixth, seventh round or wherever you can get him. But speaking of guys that I would love to have on my team, let's go to my, my guy this year, Mixie Poo, Joe Mixon. <laughs> and I, I'm going to be completely honest. I was kind of indifferent on Mixie Poo until I started researching his numbers a little bit. And he had a 76% and a 56%. So that's his snap percentage and his touch percentage the last four weeks of 2019. So he was on the field for three quarters of the snaps and he was touching the ball more than half the time he was on the field. And having AJ Green and Joe Burrow in that offense. I think he's going to make Joe Mixon so much more effective because, number one, he's going to face less stacked boxes. Number two, they're going to have the RPO element, which Joe Burrow ran a lot at LSU. Now they have a mobile quarterback that can have those lanes open up for Mixon. And if you're looking at, again, like the Ravens, and you look at teams that, that love the RPO, and these running backs have all these lanes open up when you have a threat of a quarterback that can run. And I'm not saying he's a burner, but he's, a, not, he's more of a threat than Andy Dalton ever was. And... I think Zach Taylor is a good play caller, so I think he is going to find the play calls to get him some more running room. And up until week 14 last year, Joe Mixon had only one game where he had over 25 carries and 100 rushing yards. But the last four games of the season, he had 23 carries, 25 carries, 21 carries, 26 carries. Had over 136 yards in three of those four games. So not only did he average 27 touches per game and he scored three touchdowns in those four weeks, but those 27 touches per game were more than Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott. So I think that they really like him. And I think that the way he finished the year is what you can expect to maybe see more of this season. And I think, again, everything around him is so much better. He already he was RB13, even with that horrible pretty much than he had and I don't see him finishing any lower than in the top 10 this year I, I think he's, he's easy 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 for me top seven running back this season oh ooh, David David can I critique you <laughs> go ahead um so Joe Mixon is a fantasy football playoffs god um I go back because I've had him in 2018 he had in the fantasy playoffs, 26, 27, 17 carries. So you're going into last year thinking like, oh, he's going to get the same workload. Then to begin this season, 6, 11, 15, and 15. Joe Mixon, you want to buy right before the playoffs. He gets work in weeks 14 to 16 for some reason. Yeah, but you're using arguments when they had Andy Dalton, at quarterback, and it's a whole different offense than what's going to be going on this season. I will guarantee you they were running plenty RPOs also because that's what Joe Burrow was succeeding with. And they, in this day and age, they shape to whatever your quarterback is good at. And RPOs is what he does. That's his bread and butter. That's his peanut butter and jelly, whatever you want to call it. And they also basically have spent a lot of capital on their offensive line. So... I don't see how he finishes worse than last season. And that was RB 13. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I think consistently he's going to be from the beginning of the year, to the end of the year, top seven running back that you can get in the back end of the second beginning of the third round. 
I do like um, – I've done a couple mock drafts, and I do like the value you can get with him in the second round because I do see him falling. And I do think there's potential for him to break that top ten. I don't know about top seven, but that's because, you know, I'm just going to be biased. Um, but there's a couple of guys that were in the top that I do see falling out. So I think that there's potential for Mixon there. And I do love the safety blanket that he creates for someone like Burrow and the opportunity to grow uh, with that offense. So I do agree with you there. Um, I think for me – I've just never loved or looked for putting Mixon on my team. And maybe that's just because I'm crazy biased and that's something I need to get over. And it's a personal issue. I just need to overcome. But I do like the value you can get with him in the second round. So if you can, if you're going to go double running back in some uh, in some drafts, I mean, it's a fun way to do mock drafts. How often do you guys do mock drafts, by the way? I I usually, when it starts in like around like July, I'll usually do like two or three a week. Right now I'm probably doing like one to two. What about yourself? Yeah, I try and do them as often as I can. I, d- I get a couple in uh, every month. just uh, And they're ones that I try and pick and make sure that I have people that are in them that are taking it seriously. I, I, I do jump into the other random ones on occasion, but I just like trying different strategies. And I think going running back, running back this year is a very interesting one, just given the depth at receiver. So I do mm-hmm. like the idea of getting Joe Mixon at the end or I guess the beginning of the second um, – that kind of spot I think is a, is a good spot to take him. Cause yeah, I agree. I think that there's a lot of ways that Burrow can use him. And if the Bengals are going to take any notes, which I believe they were taking tons of notes last year, they had time to do so is teams that build around these types of mobile quarterbacks and use all their best assets for them. Don't try and force them to fit your scheme. Put your scheme around these guys. Obviously, he had crazy success with LSU. He's an amazing athlete. And if you utilize him the right way, like the way the Ravens have used Lamar Jackson, you're going to find success. So given that they're in a direct competition with Lamar Jackson, they would be absolutely beyond stupid to not cater every single play to all of Burrow's strengths. And and I the one thing I'll touch on before I go to my fantasy zero is, is Sam, you mentioned like the mock drafts. And a lot of players that are going in his range – Aaron Jones is due for a huge regression at 18 total touchdowns last season. They just drafted A.J. Dillon. I'm a little scared of drafting Aaron Jones within second round. You have Austin Eckler, who's never handled a full workload as a number one in the season. He's not a big guy. You have Derrick Henry, who had just had a monster full season workload. And I'm sure that he's going to scale back on some work and some carries. I, I think Mixon is more of a ceiling compared to what I think these guys hit their ceilings last year. And I think Mixon still has room to grow. So that's kind of like where I, I like taking Mixon over some of those guys, at least for me. But Sure, I get that. I would disagree a little bit on the Austin Eckler take just because I do think that with someone like if, if Justin Herbert is going to be the starting quarterback there for the Chargers, I think that Eckler is an amazing security blanket for someone like Herbert who has targeting issues where, you know, Eckler's been one of those players that can make a play out of anything. You know, he's an amazing runner, amazing catcher, um, just in and out you know, he's got amazing depth at the position. So I do feel like he's going to have good numbers this year just because he's going to have to get utilized a lot by a rookie quarterback that might have some issues in completing a pass. Right. That's a good point. Um, going back to the the Bengals, my fantasy zero, uh, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. John Ross, uh, injuries check. He's played 50% of the games in three years he's been in the league. Check. Competition. Check. Uh the Bengals did not trigger his fifth-year option, which in my mind means that they pretty much are getting ready to kind of phase him out and let him become a free agent when his contract comes up. 
I just don't see him worth drafting as more than a flyer or in a best ball league. Um, so I, I think he's an easy, again, he's probably the number three or four. So I, I mean, I don't think he's got too much upside at this point. Um, I agree with that too, because uh, based on the way that they used Auden Tate, and I know that he's a lot taller than John Ross, I think that he's a better red zone threat. And I love the speed that you get with Higgins. And I think he's a better um, route runner. So I do think that he kind of easily fades to the back of the room. You know, just to spite you guys, I'm going to take John Ross in DFS week one, just for the fact that if he goes off, I'll be like, hey, guys. He's going to have literally like. He's gonna hey, have like you can't have John Ross take your Zay Jones spot in DFS. <laughs> Maybe I'll do both. Maybe I'll just spend a lot on running backs. You just better I'll look forward to that tweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, last one, Sleeper. We've talked his name a few times. T. Higgins. Big wide receiver can go down the field on the go routes. I think he's going to be the new John Ross as far as the deep threat, the guy that's going to sprint down the field and get that deep ball. And when you put him in a room with good receivers, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a productive rookie season. I could see him having somewhat like DK Metcalf did last year. I, I think he his intangibles and his size is very similar to a DK Metcalf. Last year, Higgins had 59 catches for 1,167 yards and 13 touchdowns and averaged almost 20 yards per catch. Uh, that kind of lines up to what Metcalf did with the Seahawks, 58 catches, 900 yards, and seven touchdowns with 15 and a half yards a catch. I just think he's that guy. A.J. Green is obviously going to be the go-to, assuming he's healthy. And then you have Tyler Boyd as that slot guy that's the safe route. But I see this guy as like that on the, basically on the other side of the field running that deep ball that Burrow can chuck it to. And I could I could see him succeeding really well if, if A.J. Green goes down, but I could see him being a, a really successful outside number two or three, um, be a, a flex-worthy wide receiver, I think, in, in a good best-case scenario um, for the Bengals this season. So that's my T. Higgins analysis. I'm, I'm good with that. I think that he's a, he's a good option that I like stashing in a couple leagues if I can. But I do think that based on the hype and the, just the waiting around we've all had to do with the COVID and all of that, I think that the hype on some of these rookies is going to go from sleeper to um, blown out of proportion very quickly because we're going to have too much time to stew about and wonder what their potential is that we're going to overhype them. So I'm a little bit worried about the overhype and then him going too early um, and then someone taking him, yeah, just too early in a draft and ruining the value. Agreed. I think he's one of those players most people – like but aren't going to overdraft or, or if they if someone's going to overdraft him you'll let them but like at the end when you can snag him it's a good value and also on that note does anybody when you hear his name think of a butler like t higgins t higgins is a football name i don't I, I just hear like butler like higgins can you get me some tea okay that's enough um all right. On that note, I don't think there's a more awkward way to go into our question of the week. This week's question, greatest rivalry in football and People might hear that and something may come to their mind, but I guarantee you it's not as straightforward as people think. Sam, I, I have a feeling where you're going to go with this one, but maybe I've, I'm not 100% going to be accurate on this. Where are you going for the best rivalry? You know, if you'd asked me this last summer, I would have said the Bengals hands down. 
um, just based on the history we have with Vontez Perfect and that defense and the fact that, you know, they like to concuss my players for no reason at all. Um, I would have gone with them. However, based on the way that the games played out last year against the Browns, I think that's probably the strongest one. It's if we're talking divisionally. Um, yeah, that is just a, uh, it just, it, it gets me upset. I think I've got heartburn right now. Just thinking about it, just the anxiety level that I have when they play. Um, yeah, it's, it's not good. There's no love there. No love lost. I mean, the coaches I think did a good job of, you know, calming everything down as much as they could. And then after the game, they said all the right things. They did the right things with their teams. Um, However, man, I am not looking forward to them playing this year. The AFC North is known as the most physical division. Yeah, because everyone is just like ready to go out for blood and concussions every time. I mean, just the way that they play each other is completely different to the way that you see other rivals play each other. They go out to take people out. I mean, if you had to think that there was any teams that maybe would be at risk of being called for playing with the bounty rules that the saints did a couple of years back. I would guess that this is a division that secretly has bounties to take each other out just in their division. <laughs> Let me say this. I think we're all glad we don't actually play in the, in the uh, AFC North. No, it would hurt so bad. I think you have to be insured to a certain level to play <laughs> in this division. John, is that where you're going to go? Is that the rivalry in that division or is it somewhere else? No, the, the rivalry I had was uh, Buffalo versus uh, Tables. They just, they just <laughs> can't seem to get them in the no same room lost. together. You know, talk about physical. I mean, they're throwing each other. They're throwing themselves at each other. It just gets reckless. <laughs> Absolutely. Eric, thank God I don't have to go after that. What's yours? Uh, for me, it's the Seahawks 49ers. Um, and there's only one good side to root for. But look at the way the NFL season last year ended, week 17. Sunday night to see who's going to win the division. And Jacob Hollister gets tackled half an inch of, of the goal line. That's how the game ends. Look at week 10 and the 49ers Seahawks overtime game that was just shown on ESPN a few weeks ago. They always play close games and it's so stressful, but that's how you know it's a good rivalry. It's a good pick. I think you guys all had great picks. Yeah, but I just don't see anyone getting killed in that game. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with with my Steelers playing the Browns or the Bengals, someone might die. Whereas <laughs> in in Buffalo, someone could take a a fall in a weird angle and crack their neck. I mean, it's exactly it's concussions all around in our rivalries. Yeah, there's, but there's a lot more stress with betting with my rivalry. I can understand the the stress of the betting, and then obviously, you know, the close scores and all that. I can understand it's a nail biter, but I'm just very worried about the health insurance of my players. <laughs> so you guys are thinking like this deodorant stick, like very small, just like kind of eh, like, I mean, it's just plain Jane. I'm more I wish thinking, I could throw that at you right now. I'm more thinking like this big, empty container of dog treats. And I'm looking big picture here and I'm looking at, the Ravens and Chiefs, arguably oh the God. arguably the most exciting matchups you could possibly have in the NFL this season. Man, you got Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. This is going to be the new Tom Brady Peyton uh, Tom Brady Peyton Manning matchup. The last two MVPs, Mahomes went out, got 
league MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Lamar Jackson got league MVP. Is he Super Bowl MVP next? Who knows? And there's a reason why the NFL put them week three prime time. And I think this is literally the matchup the NFL is going to want every single season. And this is going to be the two teams duking it out in the AFC for years to come. And these are going to be like, holy crap, Chiefs and Ravens playing. Let me get my popcorn. Best rivalry in football. Let's go. Gosh, I wish both of these teams played in the AFC North. Mike's really bad. Now, when you said rivalry, when I think rivalry, I think hate. And I do not see hate between these two teams just because of the the leaders at the helm. Mahomes and Jackson are both amazing leaders of their teams. I think there's far too much respect between them for there to actually be a real mean rivalry. I think it's more like a Brad Pitt, George Clooney kind of rivalry where they're just like, well, we're both good looking. We're both good actors. Yeah, you can take the Oscar this year. Like, I don't think that it's really you know, that kind of a rivalry. It's like, eh, we're both going to win. You can win this year. I'll win next year. I think it's too much of a buddy cop movie with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson compared to these other rivalries. I think the, I think the tables will beat this one for sure. Well, see, I, yeah, and, David and, comes in last. I love it. Well, no, you see, the thing is, I'm a big Chiefs fan. I've been a big Chiefs fan since the early 2000s when I was oh in middle gosh, school. And, and, you are not. The Ravens are, uh, we can already argue about the Ravens being as physical a team as there are in football. The Chiefs get pretty nasty too. And like, I think there's all this, there you have the showtime element David, with Mahomes David, and David, you're mixing up the Chiefs getting physical off the field with children. <laughs> oh my. We're talking just, on the field. Yeah, yeah. Just because they break a 10 year old's arm doesn't mean they're physical on the field. Oh. <laughs> Just, just, just watch. If you guys actually watch, everybody watches Chiefs games from Mahomes. But as a Chiefs fan, if you actually watch their defense, like they're actually pretty like ferocious and tough that they don't get credit for. And David assumes everybody watches Chiefs games. Well, most people. Yeah, but that's also saying like you know if you're tough, if you're you know if you pick up a tortilla chip and you put it in your mouth vertically. Like that's like, Oh God, you know, they're just such a dangerous person. They live dangerously. Like, no, they don't. (laughs) That's not dangerous. Show me real danger. And that's any of the players on the rivalries that I listed who carry shanks in their socks. So this year when they play week three and the announcers say the greatest rivalry now in football, the chiefs and Ravens, I'm going to tweet all three of you guys and tag you and just say, this is someone else that agreed with my take. And then you guys will have to. uh, I hope it's a battle of Matt Moore versus RG3. That would be interesting. (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be so sad. That Uh, would be really, that'd be the way that they end up doing their rematches. (laughs) That'd be criminal. At the home. Um, Everyone's robbed. (laughs) Let's let's not wish it into it. Eric, you say it, that means it could come into existence. So let's just wash that away. On to happy things. Yes. And let's move in happy things with our last segment, our game of the week. Eric, you have our game of the week. What are we playing? Yes, I do. So as I previously alluded to, I am a gambling guy. And one of the toughest things is predicting over-unders or guessing which one will happen. So I have 10 over-unders. These are completely random. There is no way that you guys know that these would come. Part of these are fantasy. Part of these are, Eric, this is what you thought of in your spare time. So I'm going to give you 10 questions, and then I'll go over at the end, and you tell me how many you got. All right, let's do it. 
Question one, Kenny Galladay's wingspan over under 77.5 inches. Uh, let's, let me think of feet for a sec. Or 12 yeah. in- I was told there would be no math. <laughs> so 12, 24, 36, 48, 60. Okay, so it's six feet and... Uh, Oh my God! It'd be seven feet at least, David. Seven. Oh, yeah, I feel seven. better about my math skills now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, this is not a good moment for me. All right, I'll, I'll give you a hint. You guys got a fifty-fifty chance. Okay, fine, fine. I got All it. right, number two, the number of seasons that Drew Brees has had thirty-five plus touchdowns, over or under five point five. Can you say um, that again? The number of seasons that Drew Brees has had throwing 35 or more touchdowns over or under 5.5. I'm totally going to win this. I feel really good about this. Sam, the next one is for you. I hope you get this right. No pressure. <laughs> the total number of seasons that Ben Roethlisberger has played a full 16 games over wow. under over under 4.5. Ooh, that's so mean. Yeah, put put the pressure on. Ooh. He is injury prone. He is injury prone. Uh, question number four. Michael ta- Michael Thomas targets for 2019 over under 183.5. Where are you getting these numbers? That's such a random number. It is. Yeah. He's scheming. He's choosing numbers, and it's going to be 182 or 184. Like, he should have uh, given us round numbers. It's, oh no, when you do, uh, when you do that, it's always 0.5 for the most part. All right. Number five is Eli Manning 40 yard dash time over under five seconds. I know, but I'm saying you should have given us round numbers like, like 180.5 or something because if you're just going up or down by a yard or a target it's like i i didn't do that there is at least a couple in between so all right number six robert woods rushing yards over for 2019 over under 112.5 i know i got that one number seven christian mccaffrey drops in 2019 over under 5.5. Number eight. Do no wrong. Number eight. The number of uh, weeks that Patriots D finished with double digit points in 2019. Over under 9.5. Wait for this next one. This next one. You guys are going to have no idea. Number nine, field goals made in 2019 that were 50 yards or more, over under 75.5. What even gave you the idea to do that one? I I have no idea. I wish I could tell you what goes through my mind. And then number 10, David Johnson rushing attempts in 2019, over under 99.5. All right, I'm ready for my perfect score. Everybody good? Anybody need me to repeat one? No, I'm good. Good. All right, number one, Kenny Galladay wingspan under. It's 76 inches. Dumb. David, are you one for one? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) 
I knew I wouldn't have to root for the Chiefs. Number two, Drew Brees seasons with 35-plus touchdowns. The under, it's four. Okay, I'm not good at this game then. <laughs> All right, I hope you got this one. Uh, ben Roethlisberger playing 16 games over under 4.5. It was four. Hit the under. Under! Yay! <laughs> I got it! Got Michael, Michael Thomas targets in 2019. It was the over. It was 185. Yo, if, I get a, if I get a 90%, will you still root for the Chiefs? Uh, when they play the Ravens. Okay, fair. Eli the Manning, rivalry. Eli, <laughs> yes. Eli Manning, 40-yard dash time. It was the under. He ran a 4-9-2. Knew it was a trick question. <laughs> Robert Woods rushing yards in 2019. It was the over. He had 115. Wait, what was number five, over or under? Uh, under. Number seven, Christian McCaffrey drops over under 5.5. It was over. He had seven. The number of times Patriots D finished with double digits in 2019 over under 9.5. It was under. It was nine. Over under 75.5 field goals made from 50 plus in 2019. It was the over. There were 80 led by Joey Sly with eight. Yeah, he's like Muscles McGee, the mm -hmm. kickers. And then David Johnson, rushing attempts over under 99.5. It was the under. It was 94. So everybody calculate your scores. I'll let David go first because he got nine, right? I got seven, which is a C. <laughs> that's and a C. C's get degrees, so that's acceptable. Uh, okay. Uh, John, what'd you get? I got an E. I got five out of ten. Needs improvement. Yes. <laughs> All right, Sam. Open. You got eight. Yeah, I got four. I, mine is needs to watch more football. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, you guys need to watch more for fifty-plus yard field goals. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Eric, Eric, say my name. Go ahead. And the winner, with a, a modest seven, a disappointment from the perfect score he claimed. The guy that's unfortunate to me, unfortunately, my weenie older brother, David Mendelson. I just wanted you to say my name. That, that the other stuff wasn't needed. <laughs> it was necessary. Well, well, Sam, we really thank you so much for coming on our show. It was a real blast having you. Yeah, of course, no problem. This was fun. I loved your guys' setup. This was awesome. Yeah, and uh, if you want to see more of Sam, again, she's on the Twitter. And she's on Instagram. On Twitter, she's at Samantha R. Holt. And on the IG, she's at Sam underscore awesome, which is just really cool that you have that as your thing because I feel like that name would have been taken or something. So that's pretty cool that you have that. Yeah, I, def I definitely was glad that I got that when I did, right when, you know, Instagram came out. Uh, and I was really pissed that I can't take it on Twitter, too. That got taken into someone that doesn't even use their account. I have really? To like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that they... Maybe I have one follower. It's one of those accounts that's got, like, no profile picture. I'm like, damn it, you're wasting it. Oh, God, that's awful. They're just waiting for me to try and buy it off of them. I think that's what it is. They're just sitting there just, like, looking at their watch, like, when is she going to make that offer? <laughs> Never, because I can't <laughs> wait to change my Twitter handle to something like at uh, Samantha underscore ESPN someday. Oh, I like Ooh. it. And then you can say you remember us little people. 
I'll hang out with you guys then too. I'm never oh, going to forget it. everyone else. I'll, I'll always, it. always do guest spots. It's too fun to not do it. Well, we loved having you, and and for more people also that want to hear more of her, again, you can listen to her on Fantasy Focused with two Ds or on the Fantasy Debate. Thanks again for your time, Sam. It was awesome. Of course. No problem. Anytime.